Good morning, Grace Fellowship. It's an honor to be with you this morning. I have a quick question for you, and I don't want you to raise your hand or anything. I just want you to think about it. Is what is the dream for your life? Do you have a dream for your life? And is that dream God-sized? Or is it just, well, I hope to survive the next year? You know, for some of us, you go, that is a God-sized dream. But I believe that every single one of us needs to have a God-sized dream. And I believe God calls us together to dream God-sized dreams. So I have to give you a fair warning today. You might come away from here saying, these people are flipping nuts. <laughs> and you know what? You'd be right. We are so crazy for Jesus that we're willing to trust him for what is impossible any other way. The place you're sitting right now is a miracle. We could have never dreamed or asked that God would do what he's done. And can I tell you something? He is just getting started. Amen? Amen. So what I'd like you to do is take out this little card. If you don't have a little card, you can raise your hand, and I'm sure one of the Usher team would be willing to get you one. All today you need to have is a little card and a booklet. If you need either of those two things, just raise your hand, and hopefully it looks like nobody needs them. That's amazing. Well done. Oh, one over there. I want you to take this little card. I want you to hold it over your head. I want you to pray with me. Father God, we agree with you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But in you, we can do all things. Nothing is impossible for you, God. So, Lord, as we come before you this morning, we lift your church to you. We thank you that you are building your church and your promises the gates of hell will never prevail against you. But, Father, while you are building a church amongst us, you are growing a beautiful tree in the garden of our hearts. So, Lord, we pray now in the name of Jesus that you would have your way with us and that you would help us to dream God-sized dreams with you. And, Lord, that you would help us to trust you in such a way that your will will be done, that your kingdom will continue to come right here on this hill, right here in this region, and around the world as it is in heaven. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So you can hold that little card um, and take a look at the front of it and you can say it with me. We're going to do um, Trust the Lord for three things this year. They're going to be expand a dream. Go ahead and say that. Expand a dream. Plant a church. Transform a region. So we're going to trust God to expand a dream, plant a church, transform a region. Go ahead. That was okay. It was pretty good. We're going to trust God to expand a dream, plant a church, transform a region. All right. Now, so I've been, you know, uh, since the conception of this thing about 12 years ago, I've had the honor of standing um, at certain times and certain places and casting vision for what God might do here. Um, and each year we've been listening to God together. We've been posturing ourselves before him in such a way that we listen to God and we say, God, what is it that you would do with your church? Because this is not my church, not your church, it's Jesus' church. And we need to listen to him together to ask him, what does he want to do with his church? So for 12 years or so, we've been listening together, and each year I've had the honor of standing before you and casting vision for the next season. And I've got to be honest with you. I don't think I've ever been more excited about what God's going to do than I am now. God has some incredible things in store for us, and I think you'd have to think we're crazy to think what we're thinking. Really do. You know, um, when we first kind of started this whole thing, and God started stirring our hearts for this, this kind of plant here in Grace and Shrewsbury, you know, people, you'd hear little things on the, on the, on the kind of, you know, um, what do you call it, the little gossip line out there? Who do those people on the hill think they are? They didn't know. They didn't know that we had this great God. It wasn't about who we thought we were. It was who we knew he is. And so the same kind of thing goes true for now. Like, you know, you might think, who do we think we are? We know that we're nothing. But we know that God is everything. And apart from him, we can do nothing, the scripture says. He is the vine, we are the branches. If we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. But apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. 
So today, you may be tempted a little bit to kind of think, wow, this is nuts. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's absolutely crazy. But with Jesus, it's possible. So we continue to trust him, to walk with him, and we trust him for the unimaginable and for the impossible. So you know the little mission statement of Grace Fellowship Church. Would you be kind enough to say that out loud with me, please? To be used by God, to bring them in, to build them up, and to send them out by his grace and for his glory. So again, when we talk about this, we're being used by God. We're not doing these things. God is doing them in and through us. But to bring them in, that's not to bring them into Grace Fellowship Church. That's to bring them into relationship with Jesus. Because see, that's God's kingdom coming. That's God's will being done. This is just one expression of the kingdom of God. There's many beautiful expressions of the kingdom of God all across the face of the planet, all throughout this area. We're just one small expression in the kingdom of God. But we want to be used by God to introduce people to Jesus Christ, for there is no greater honor than watching someone cross from death to life. The greatest miracle in the kingdom of God is a changed heart. And God is in the business today of changing hearts. Just like he was thousands of years ago. He takes our heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh, a heart that wants the very things that he wants. I said this to me before, but I'll say it again. God is not so much about the business of changing your behavior. He wants to change your heart. He wants you to want the things that he wants. And when you want the things that he wants and the spirit of God lives in you, then you have the power to participate with him in being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Then you become the light of the world, the salt of the world. And people see your good works so they might worship your father in heaven. You see, your faith is contagious. We're supposed to love people in such a way that they ask why. We're supposed to love them in such a crazy way that they look at us and go, why in the world would you do this for me? Why in the world would you love me in such a remarkable way? And then we can chuckle inside, well, I've been waiting for you to ask that question. His name is Jesus Christ, and I point to him and him alone. It's not us, it's him living in us. You see, God longs for us to be used by him, to bring him in, to belt him up, and to send him out by his grace and for his glory. And that line's super important because it means if anything good happens here, it's only by the grace of God. And it's all for his glory and for his glory alone. So look, the scripture has this to say to us, that without an incredible dream, without something remarkable in our hearts, without some thought for the future that's from God, you and I die. We perish. Without a God-sized dream, you and I have no compelling reason to live, and we lose our way. Now, you can think about this for a minute with me. What are some of the symptoms of living a visionless life? You know, some of the symptoms are things like depression. I'm not an expert on depression, but can I tell you this? When I lose touch for the really reason, the very reason I live, my soul starts to go doobie-doo down, down. And you know what I do? I start engaging in all kinds of things that are really not a part of what I need to be doing. And I'm wandering in a desert and I feel like I'm lost. I get up every day and I wonder, why am I just doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results? Have you ever been there? You ever feel like life is just kind of cold and sterile and you really wonder, why am I here? You know, when you're in that place, you're postured to reach out to our holy God and ask him once again, will you please show me, God, once again why I'm here? But you're also at a place where you're lacking vision for your life. And God's church should never be without vision, for God's people are under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. He shows us God's revelation. And see, he plants seeds of vision in each one of our hearts. And those seeds are supposed to grow deep roots and grow into these incredible oaks of righteousness that people would look and they would go, surely God is a part of what's happening in these people. You see, God longs to plant seeds of vision in your life. And one of the questions I have for you today is, are you nurturing those seeds? Are you allowing God to come in and water them? 
and to shine His light on them in such a way that they are growing inside of you into something magnificent for the glory of God. That's the story of Grace Fellowship Church. He just scatters seeds, and our job is to participate with Him by listening and obeying. You know the old song, listen and obey, there's no better way to be. There's a few old timers in here. To listen and obey, there's just no better way to be happy in Jesus. We listen and we obey. We rest and we risk. See, we rest in the presence and love of our God. We trust His promises. We enter deep into the love that He has for us. And He is the only one that can set our souls at rest in His presence. He is the only one who can fill us with a supernatural confidence that comes only from Him. He is the only one that can pluck us from this insane and distracting world and focus our eyes on Him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Stephen says, my soul finds rest in God alone. He is my rock and my salvation. He alone is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Can you say that with me? I will never be shaken. He is my fortress. Say it. I will never be shaken. You see, like if you really believe that, if you trust him to be your fortress, can I promise you something? You will never be shaken. You'll be like a big old oak tree with your roots deep into the earth. Can I tell you something? Oak trees do not want to move easily. Anybody say amen to that? I'm going to talk to you a lot about trees over the next eight weeks. Put a little booklet in your hand, something that God's been showing me in my own life, and we want to walk through this together. But I've thought a lot about trees. In the last three months, I've thought a lot about trees. And you know, as a kid, I loved trees. Anybody with me? You know why? I got to climb them. You know what I got to do? I got to like sit in their shade. I built pine needle forts. Anybody ever do that? That was the weirdest thing. That was just Levittown kids, I guess. I don't know. We'd take all the pine needles and we'd make rooms with little imaginary walls with the pine needles. And we would sit under the pine trees and we would climb among the trees. We'd run through them playing manhunt. Manhunt was awesome. Kick the can. Anybody ever play that one, kick the can? You kids nowadays, you're missing out on all kinds of good stuff. Kick the can and manhunt. Man, we used to kick the crud out of each other doing that. You know, we, we did all that, and all these beautiful trees were around us all the time. And, and, you know, trees also were formidable. I remembered this week that once my sister was driving in the car with me and some of her friends down the end of our street, and she was playing with her 8-track. Uh, for those who don't know what that is, that's a big plastic thing. And it's got some tape in there, and you push it in there. And then you only have four channels. You go, chunk, 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 and it changes then to the song that you hope to get on that particular track. It's called a, you know, eight track. So anyway, she was down looking at her eight track, and she didn't know she was veering off the road, and she hit a big old oak tree at the bottom of our street. Can I tell you something? We stopped on a dime. Can I tell you something? Her car was totaled. Can I tell you something? That oak tree didn't even blink. It's still standing there to this day. That's what God wants you to be like. He wants you to be so rooted in the soil of his love. When things come and crash into you, you're just standing. Scripture says, after having done everything to stand, for they shall be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. The purpose of your life and my life is to stand and glorify God. Can I tell you something, folks? The days are getting so wicked and so evil, and the wind is starting to blow so fiercely that only those of us who have our roots deeply rooted in Christ will stand. It is time for us to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ, deeper than ever before, because the hour is short. And God longs for us to know that He has a vision for our lives. So we're going to talk about this little piece which I teach, I've taught a lot of years at this time. It's called How a Church Dies. Now this has application to your life personally as well as to us as a church. So you've got to think about it in both corporate and individual ways, okay? So we listen and we obey, 
And God speaks to us. With every godly work comes a godly vision. So I want you to understand something. There's a godly work sitting in your seat. You are God's masterpiece, the Scripture says. If you think about created order, God started and He created creation in such an order, and He reached the epoch, the climax, when He created you and me. And He said, this is the crown of my creation. And when He knit you together in your mother's womb, He created you on purpose. You see, He created you with a vision and a purpose for your life to glorify Him and to become like Jesus Christ. That's what God puts you here to do. He didn't just save you for your own comfort. He saved you so you could go on mission for Him and that you could display His splendor in the way that you live your life. Now, this requires that you rest in God. You soak up stuff like water and nutrients from the soil and light from the sun. Just like a tree, you have to soak up stuff from God. You have to let your roots go deep into His Word and deep into fellowship and deep into worship and deep into prayer and communion with the Lord. And as you soak up stuff from the Lord and His Word, what happens is you start to grow. You start to grow strong in the Lord. And when the stronger you are in the Lord, when the winds come, the more that you stand. Can I tell you something else? God not only gave trees the need to have water and light, And all these kinds of things that you know about. But can I tell you something? A tree does not grow strong without the wind. Did you know that trees need wind to grow? There was this thing called Biosphere 2 out in Arizona years ago. They created this thing, which was like an artificial environment. It was like dome-like structures where they were going to recreate Eden. They were going to create the perfect environment for not only people, but for plants and for animals. And they wanted to study this environment by creating an idyllic. You know what blew them up? Is that after this thing had been happening for a while, trees grew faster, but the minute they grew too big, they fell over under their own weight. There would just be a nice tree, and then it would immediately fall over. (laughs) They were like, why are these trees falling over? You know what they forgot? The wind. Because wind causes a tree to get deep roots. When wind blows against a tree, it digs deeper down into the earth. And so God causes wind to blow in your life so that your roots grow deeper in Him. These are the afflictions that come your way. These are the things that the Scripture says develop perseverance in you. Why? Because your faith needs to finish its work so that you're lacking nothing, that you're mature, and that you're deeply rooted in Him. Can I tell you something? Nothing comes to you without first passing through the hand of God. Can you say that with me? Nothing comes to me without first passing through the hand of God. Say it again. Nothing comes to me without first passing through the hand of God. If you are a child of the Most High King by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are under His sovereignty. That means that He uses all things to good in your life. Because you love Him and you're called according to His purpose. I've heard it said this way before. It must be awfully frustrating to be Satan in the life of a believer. Why? Because everything you do for evil, God turns around for good. Those winds will come your way. They come my way. But God uses them so that you can grow deep roots in Him. He longs for you to understand that you need to have vision from Him for your life. And that he longs for that vision to grow in you. So look, every work of God starts with a vision from God. And what happens is we put strategies and structures in place so that vision can live. The chair that you're sitting in is part of a building here, which is a structure. There's no value inherent to the structure. It's just a way, something that God uses to bring people to a place where they can hear his word, where they can see his love, where they can experience life in him. You see, but that's a structure, and that structure by itself is just used by God. It's like your car or your house. They're just structures. Jesus calls these things unrighteous mammon. He says, just use them for the purposes of the kingdom, but they're nothing in themselves. Their only value is to be used by God. They belong to Him anyway. So vision comes first and strategies and structures. But can I tell you something? The very moment a church starts to die, 
is when it loses touch with the reason it exists. Vision leaks. Can I tell you that when you have vision from God, it's an inclination that you have to lose touch with that vision as a group of people and as individuals. If the vision is not protected by God, if the vision is not attended to by God, if the vision is kind of distracted by the evil one, then what happens is we lose touch with that vision. And then we're left with just strategies and structures. You want to know how to identify a dead church? Go into that church and ask this question everywhere you go. Why do you do that that way? And in a dead church, this is the answer you will get. They will go, I don't really know. I guess it's just always the way we've done it. You see, alive churches don't ever say stuff like that. They say, Oh, can I tell you why we do it that way? Because we have a heart to reach people for Christ, and we really believe that that's being used to bring people in. Oh, we long for everybody to be built up in their unique vision and purpose for life, and we're doing that because that helps people grow in Christ. Oh, oh, can we tell you why we do that? Because we want to send people out in the neighborhoods. We want to send people out into this region. We want to send people out into the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we do that. You see, they're able to give you a compelling reason that's connected to a dream from God. But dead churches and dead people, they don't really know why they do things. Well, I guess I just get up and go to work every day for the same old reason. Got to bring home the bacon. I don't really know why I do it. I mean, I guess it's just to care for the wife and the kids. And by the way, that's not a bad thing. But you need to have a compelling God-sized dream from God for your life. You need to understand he puts you here for a more than a purpose of just survival. He has given you him very self. And when you trust him in that way, he keeps rearticulating vision in your life, recasting vision over and over and over again. He comes to you and he says, can I remind you who you are in me? You're my child and I love you. And can I remind you of why I, why I actually gave you life to begin with? To glorify me and fulfill the purpose that I gave you for my kingdom. Can I tell you something? There is nothing more in, in, inspiring, nothing more encouraging than being used by Jesus Christ to bring about his kingdom. So churches die when they start losing touch with the reason they exist, and so do people. And then all that is left is just strategy and structure. So we need to trust God in such a way that we need to listen and obey, for there's just no better way. Just wanted to check and see if a few of you are with me. So we need to trust God to listen and obey because there's just no better way. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit about now, expand a dream plant a church, and transform a region. This is really a family meeting today. Next week, we'll start digging into the book, booklet more deeply. But today, we just want to share with you some of what we've been hearing from God and how it's being validated by Him. So you've seen this on the video, but the Harvest Cafe, how many of you have actually been in the Harvest Cafe? That's quite a few. If you work in the Harvest Cafe, would you please stand up? Nobody works in the Harvest Cafe? There's one. If you keep standing... There's only one here today. Everybody's going to the 11 o'clock service. There's some back there. All right, would you please give these folks a round of applause, please? For... <clears throat> the Harvest is an amazing place that is teeming with life because it has a, has a vision from God that's compelling it. Now, the Dream Center's vision is this. We meet a need so we can build a relationship so others come to know the love of God is in Christ Jesus. It's that simple. What do we do? We meet needs. Why? To build relationships. Why? So others can know the love of God. Just simple that. Now, we're not, we're not a social justice engine just for the so sake of social justice. We believe that there's value in giving somebody a hot dog. But that doesn't address the deepest poverty of the soul. The deepest poverty in anybody's life is life without Jesus. And so we address that need while we're giving somebody a hot dog. You see, in the Harvest Cafe is this beautiful environment that is teeming with life, and when we listen and watch with Jesus, we go, oh, that's beyond code. Don't say that outside of here. Is any, oh, I should have said, is there anybody here who's a code official? 
No. Okay, so the cafe is beyond code. In other words, there's too many people there. Now, isn't that a beautiful problem to have? Can you say amen? That is a beautiful problem to have. We go in there at times, and I'm like, oh, my Lord, this place is cramped. You know, and I'm sure we'd get out if there was a fire. I'm pretty sure anyway, but, you know. The point is, we, we really got to trust God to knock down that wall. There's a space adjacent to it that has little use right now. And what we want to see God do is actually open that space and create more space for people to be loved for the glory of God by providing a meal, building a relationship so others come to know the love of God. In addition to that, I've completely lost control. There we go. Oh, you can probably see that. This is a picture of uh, the In Him team. John Bertrand's been counseling here for years at Grace Fellowship Church. He's a remarkable man of God, and we love John. And we've been talking to John about his ministry that he has in other places like Camp Hill, I believe it is, Chris, and other places. And so his team is willing to come in and start preventing, uh, providing Christ-centered psychotherapy, nutritional counseling, and massage therapy. Anybody like massages? Oh, Lord, I just want one now. Um, and this would be free to all those who need it to be. See, that, that's what we want to continue to do is trust the Lord in such a way that he meets a need. Now, look, if I go for a massage, you're, you're bet right. I'm going I'm to actually give down some money because I don't need it to be free for me. I can trust the Lord to give, right, to the kingdom in that way. But there are people who I would just love to kind of say, hey, um, you're struggling with depression? Oh, i got a counselor for you. And they go, well, I can't really afford that. Oh, that's okay. This is free. What kind of counselor is that? Uh, no, it's a really good counselor, really good counselor. By the way, you can get a massage there and get some nutritional counseling. Tell what, you crazy? Yeah, yeah, I'm crazy. Come on, follow me. <laughs> Let me introduce you to what Jesus is doing up here so you can meet some people who know him and love you. Because these people don't even know you, but they love you. They love you. And the one who does know you intimately loves you even more. You see, that's the whole idea. So we want to create a space where this can happen, where counseling suites and massage suites. Now, look, this, this is a real, um, real, not a handsome-looking group of guys. <laughs> if you're on this team, would you please stand? Bob's here. Anybody else here from this team? All right, give these guys a round of applause. Over there. Look, everything on the hill started with a vision from God. And these visions didn't come through me or through... They came through God's people. So I can walk you down the Dream Center and tell you how this started. Oh, well, you know, the community closet, that started with Jean Huggins. Why? I mean, she, was, she came to me and she's like, Jeff, I got this thing I want to do and it's amazing. I'm like, all right, Jean, we'll cast the vision with some people, get a team around it. And then, of course, Denise Stonier comes in later. She's the current director. And so you get a team around the thing. And then if something awesome happens, you're supposed to be doing it. Hey, Patty Schaefer, who you saw from The Harvest in that, in that video, she came to me. She had uh, like a bakery. She was actually selling bread, bread all over the area. And she said, Jeff, where's my spot? And I said, what do you mean, Patty? She said, I've always dreamed that my bakery would be on the hill. I said, Patty, I can't house a for-profit business in a non-profit building. And she said, you don't understand. She said, I want to give my business to the Dream Center. I said, let's talk. You know the bakery generates revenue for the Dream Center? Do you know that? It's the largest genera- revenue-generating aspect of the Dream Center because Patty's bread not only serves the poor, but it goes out into the region. You see? And so all that, yeah. All that started with a dream. The Lord's Gym. Nico Hooslander. I mean, my gosh, I'll never forget meeting that guy for the first time. I had four people call me on the same day and say, you got to go meet Nico. I'm like, who the heck is Nico? I go up and sit down in his gym up in Brogue with this guy. He's ready to lose his gym. And I tell him about the Dream Center. And I said, is that something you'd want to be a part of? And he started crying. He said, you kidding me, Pastor? I'd give my life for that. So I go back and talk to the elders. We decided to buy all his equipment and move him on the hill. See, that, that's God working in his people. So the visions don't come just from me. They don't come just from any one of you. They come from us together. And we listen. We listen to what God is doing. So Bob comes to me and he goes, 
hey, I think I want to, I could have a wood shop back there. And I'm like, that's really cool because I'm a woodworker too. And Bob and I can relate that way. But then it turns into this whole different thing where vocational training and there's artisans involved and master craftsmen and, and, and people can be trained vocationally to have a place in this world where they can not only kind of have a, make a living, but they can actually come to know Jesus through these guys. So we're going to start a shop back there, woodworking, metalworking, these kinds of things. Sky is the limit. We're going to give you opportunity to connect with Bob and the team and the harvest team and any one of these teams. But God has put together a team and we do everything in team at Grace Fellowship Church. Everything. So we've talked about the housing for the elderly. Now some of these things we can see happening in the next three to six months. This one's probably a longer term thing. I got to tell you the story of how all this unfolded because we've been wondering for years, God, what do you want us to do with the 32,000 square foot that's sitting down there? Other than storing a bunch of junk in there. You see in the video, I said it was an empty space. It's not an empty space. <laughs> it's like your at-home attic. Oh, we'll put it up there and we'll get to it someday. That's what happens down there. But God has something in store for that. And we've often wondered, God, would it be housing? Who would it be housing for? And three or four months ago, I got this prompting, like, look at the aged, look at the elderly. Can I tell you that there are two segments of the most um, kind of vulnerable and marginalized people in our culture? The first is the unborn. Now, there's been talk about a crisis pregnancy center up here on the hill, and we've explored that some. We're just not sure that it's God's timing yet. But can I tell you, the elderly are often marginalized and seen in less valuable can I tell you this is the most valuable segment of our population? Amen? You know why? Because they've fallen in all the holes, man. They have all the wisdom. I look at my dad's family. My aunt just turned 102. Now talk about elderly. <laughs> She's getting close to elderly. <laughs> when I talk to her, it's like talking to Jesus. Oh my gosh, she, she holds everything loosely, but she holds it. She's like a saint, man. My Aunt Kate, same thing, in her, in her like 90s. You know, I just, I look at these people and I'm like, I want to be like that. I want to be like that old oak tree that people can come sit under my shade and, and rest and listen to the Lord through me. That's what I want to be. You imagine if God would make a place here in the hill to move in people that too, cannot afford a place to live. So I was prompted by this, and I thought, well, I started doing some research, and I thought, I think this really is a need, housing for the elderly. And then I thought about emailing my administrative assistant. Her name is Chrissy Burns. She's amazing. And I, I thought about emailing her and say, Chrissy, do you want to, like, help me with this? But I thought, ah, she's too busy with all kinds of other stuff. And I didn't email her. And then like two weeks later, I get an email from her. She said, you know when you mentioned that thing about the elderly? She said, my heart beats incredibly fast for that. And I went, oh, that's a God thing. So then Chrissy and I start working together on this thing, and we start going out. And you know what? We visited Shrewsbury Courtyards over here. That's one of our communities. It's a government-subsidized elderly housing development. Do you know how many people they have on their waiting list? 240 people. You know the vast majority of those people are from this area? Do you know that every property they own, they own about six in this area, has long waiting lists with hundreds of people on them? Do you know that you have, even in government subsidized living, you have to make a minimum of $15,000 a year to live in one of these units? So I said to her, I said, well, what about a woman that comes to you and just draws an $800 a month social security check? Like, she doesn't have anything other than that. What do you do? She said, her application immediately gets denied. I said, what? She said, yeah, we have to deny them right away. And I said, well, where do they go? She said, they have nowhere to go. I said, well, maybe God could create a place for them to go. So we started praying about this. And lo and behold, we're continuing to trust God to paint a vision for this, to draw a picture of what it might be like. So this is a little um, drawing from our architect of what the giant space could look like if, in fact, we were able to put in housing units. Now, these would be individual units for people to live in. They would have their own bathroom and their own kitchenette. A couple could live in there together or an individual could live in there together, but they would share corporate living spaces, and we would also move the Harvest Cafe down right into the giant complex at one point so food and everything is right there for them. 
And then God could start to build a community of people that are living here on the hill. Can you imagine if we were to have a vocational training center with students right next to the elderly? And the two could come together and love each other. Wouldn't that be beautiful for the kingdom of God? Yeah? All right, look, I could talk to you about this forever, but I've got to stop and I've got to move on. So again, say it after me. Expand a dream. All right, so the next step is plant a church. All right, now I've got to tell you, we're holding our breath here a little bit, aren't we? Oh, I know. You got to go, a collective sigh, go, oh. Now go like this, yes! All right, you got to do them both. You got to do them both. For over six or seven years at Grace Fellowship Church, we've been dreaming about planning a church in the city of York. Now, all you know, Brother Alex and his precious wife, Shannon, their precious family. Um, Alex and I have been talking probably for over four years about what the Lord has in store for him. He was on my short list for succession. That means he's a guy that I could see carry this place. Now, I'm not going anywhere right away unless the Lord takes me out, okay? But what I'm telling you is that this guy is amazing in Jesus. Yeah? He and his wife together make this formidable team for the kingdom of God that are really, it's very unique. I would say, have to say in like 1% of 1%. So... As we've been talking, I said to Alex, the big question is, are you a maintainer and a builder? Are you someone to build on something that's already been built? Or are you a planter? Are you a mover and a shaker? And I'm asking this question, and I'm like, I think I know the answer already. (laughs) He goes, I think I'm a planter. And I said, I think you are too. So he submitted a proposal to us probably over a year ago. I think he wondered why we were sitting on it so long. And then we came to him this year and said, we think we're going to do it. And then I think he soiled himself. (laughs) Come on up, guys. Come on up. (laughs) so grace fellowship church is planning a church and we're sending out our best um alex talked to me about york and he i don't think he knew that york was so on our heart but it was just one of these convergent things and we said yes we're going to plant a church together so we are providing financially for this. We are supporting them, and we together are building a team, a team to go into the city of York. So one thing I want you to do is I want you to pray. If you live in York or the area around York, if you live above York, if you live close to York, your travel time here may be more than it needs to be. By the way, you may be called to go on an adventure with Alex and Shannon. And you may be called to be a part of this church plant. We want you to go with Jesus. We want you to trust him in such a way that you join this team and you become part of this catalyst to build something for the kingdom of God. Because I can tell you this, and Alice can tell you a whole lot better, the city of York needs a church that is alive. So one of the dates that we want you to put on your calendar is Sunday evening, October 6th, in the Mini Auditorium at 7 p.m. This is an opportunity for you to come and hear Alex and Shannon together, a little bit of worship, and then to hear some vision cast for Zeal Church, okay? That's what the church is going to be called. You'll have opportunity to hear more from Alex about this, but for the sake of time today, I'd like to invite those of you, and this might be like we might all be on the stage, bro, but those of you, actually, you guys can have front, let's do it that way. Those of you who want to lay a hand on these guys and pray for them, come on up. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that your son invades people like Alex and Shannon and makes them totally new and powerful and profound in you, Lord God. We thank you that they are called oaks of righteousness, a planting of yours for your glory alone. Father, we lift them to you now in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the calling that you've put on their lives. And Father, while we grieve 
some of the loss that it means to come to this expression, Lord. We praise you and thank you for all that is to come, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that before they were even married, you planted this vision in their hearts. But Father, the truth is before they were even born, you knew it. So Lord, we lift them to you now in the name of Jesus. And we pray that your anointing and that your grace would fall on them anew and that we as their family would support them in every way that you call us to, Lord. That your will will be done. That your kingdom will come, not just in their lives, but in the city of York as it is in heaven. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, y'all come back and hug them later. You can hug them later. Appreciate you, man. Love you. Love you, brother. So there's more to come on this. We're anticipating that um, what will happen is some soft launches. Uh, Alex is hard beating down paths in York, building relationships, which is something he does incredibly well. He and Shannon together. So they're building relationships up there already. And... Um, you know, what we'll do is see some soft launches probably coming then, bro, and then he's thinking probably a hard launch fall of next year. Yeah. So time, so time for this to happen, but he's now freed up from his role as pastor of students. So some of you might be saying, well, what's happening to the student ministry? We decided to close it up. <laughs> no, 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 we didn't. Because Alex is such a tremendous leader in the Lord, and the Lord is such a great provider. I'm excited to tell you that the new pastor of students is Phil Cook. Yeah. So look, we'll have more opportunity to talk. Phil can't be here. Phil and Jess can't be here this week. Um, they're going to be with us next week as we commission and license other pastors and elders and so on and so forth. So we'll have an opportunity to kind of pray for them together next week. But I'm just going to take a moment now and pray and thank God for the Cook family and for now the next season of Grace Student Ministries. Lord Jesus Christ, you are such an amazing provider. Father, I thank you um, that you never kind of place a calling on someone's life without seeking to kind of fill that space. And Lord, you put Phil right behind Alex. You put Jess right behind Shannon, Lord. And I thank you so much that you have provided, um, through Alex's leadership, Phil Cook. And we lift the Cook family to you now in Jesus' name, and we pray for anointing to fall on them, Lord God, as you install them in this next season of their lives. Make them effective with students, Lord God, for the cause of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I told you it was a lot. And we're not finished yet. So you ready for more? Some of you are like, I am overwhelmed. <laughs> overwhelmed with the goodness of God. So we're called to expand a dream. Oh, yeah, that was, that was really funny. We're, we're called to expand a dream, plan a church, Transform the, transform the region. All right, so this transformation of the region thing. How many of you were with us in the spring when we were with two other churches at Suburban High School? Okay, so God did an amazing thing there, but it's just the beginning. So I got together with Pastor Orlando and Pastor Tony, you know, by the way, from different cultures, different kind of streams of the faith. Some of you, that scares. I know you kind of go, oh, what about the doctrine thing? And we go, oh, it's just Jesus. Just hold on to Jesus. Just hold on to Jesus. I don't agree with these brothers and everything that they talk about and everything they preach. That's okay. They love the Lord. I love the Lord. You know, we're going to do everything to maintain unity in the Spirit while we're growing in unity in the faith. That's what the Scripture says. So you do not divide over secondary issues of doctrine. So Tony and Orlando and I got together in the summer, and we all had busy summers and stuff, and we sat down and we prayed, and we said, all right, what now? That was awesome. But Lord, what do you want us to do? And I said, I, I just think we're supposed to invite more. We're not making this an organization. We're not filing another 501c3. Lord, if you want to kill something quicker than you know how to, file another document with the government. <laughs> right, so we said, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing any of that. We're just called together to come together to pray and to worship. We believe that Jesus Christ will take down the ruling authorities of evil over this region when the church comes together. We believe that. We really do. But there's so much work to be done in the hearts of pastors, in the hearts of people in the body of Christ. 
So I sat with them. I said, well, I just think we're supposed to invite one person each back, another church, and then three churches will become six churches. And then the next time we meet, we'll each invite another person back, and six churches will become 12 churches. And then the next time, and so, so we have a vision for 24 churches by this time next year. Right? And some of you are going, that's not going to work. Remember, it's impossible except for God. Right? So we, we sat, we talked about this, then we pledged another time together, and lo and behold, every single one of us brought a pastor back. I brought um, Jeff Slemp from Grace United Methodist Church with me. So Jeff and I cooled up to York, we met, sat down in Tony's office, we met two more pastors up there, two more churches, and we kind of went, hmm, we just think God wants us to do the same thing. So these two guys, we all fell in love with each other, six of us together, and so the other date, besides October 6th for the church plant, is September 29th. Put on your calendar at 4 o'clock. It's a Sunday afternoon. We will be back at Suburban High School again, and we're hoping that we will fill it to overflowing. And then you know what? If we go to 12, then we'll have to go to a stadium or something, and then we got to do something else, okay? So, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the vision you've given us for this. We commit it all to you, acknowledging that apart from you, we can do nothing. We thank you for Tony in Orlando and for these new pastors. And we pray now in the name of Jesus that you would prepare our hearts that we would humble ourselves before you together, and that your prayer for us, that we would be one as you are one, would be answered. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, now look, I'm going to end today by talking to you about your own personal life. We've talked a lot about the life of the corporate church here at Grace Fellowship Church and the vision for us together. But I ask you early on, What is the vision that God has for your life? What do you want that He wants? Some of you may be thinking, well, I hope this year to get financially solvent. That's not a bad dream. But that's not what I'm talking about. Some of you might be, well, I really hope that that I can reach this person for Christ. That's great. I, I think that's great. But what does God want to do in you? How does God want to change your heart? That's what I'm asking you to think about. I'm asking you to think, God, how do I want to become more like Jesus? What do you want to do in me, Lord, that I want to see happen in me as well? How do you want to become more like Jesus Christ? Can you just take a minute and think about that? See, I believe if you seek God in that, He will answer the question. And He will say to you, my son, my daughter, I love you. And I want to see myself more fully reflected in you in this way. I've been, I've been meditating on this for months now. And the Lord Jesus spoke to me through um, verses in Isaiah 32, 17. Um, I have, you know, I've confessed this to you before, but I can be a very insecure man. I can be a deeply insecure man. And one of the things that I found myself in the past year doing was allowing your face to determine my faith. I would look at your eyes and I would start feeling uncomfortable if I saw something less than validation in you. And you know what? You're not supposed to be my God. And yet I I found myself getting more and more insecure and I found myself like engaging in nervous laughter with people and I, I just felt like this lack of confidence in my God in me. And I went to the Lord with that and I said, God, I don't want this in me. He's like, yeah, I don't want it in you either. I want you to be so rooted in me that you are filled with confidence in me. And then I went to his word and I scoured his word and I searched hundreds of scriptures of having to do with seeking God, which we're going to talk about in the next eight weeks. But this is the verse that I landed on for my life. It's in Isaiah 32, 17. He talks about the righteousness of God and he says, the fruit of this righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. So the Lord said to me, Jeff, I have made you righteous in my son, Jesus Christ. I have given you myself. You now have my peace. And the effect of my peace in you is quietness and confidence forever. How does that sound to your heart, Jeff? I'm like, Jesus, I want it. He said, trust me. Rest in my word. Rest in my promises. And risk in my spirit and I will form this in you. I will form a solid bedrock of faith in you that will not be shaken because I will be your fortress, Jeff, because you are my child. And can I tell you something? In the last three, life, three months, my life has radically changed. 
Now, some of you go, radically, Jeff, really? Yep, radically, little step by little step by little step by little step. I can tell you I'm a different guy right now than I was three months ago by the grace of God. Question I have for you is, how do you want to look in three months? What do you want God to do in you? I want you to turn with me quick in your book to page 76 and 77. Actually, I think it goes into 78 as well. Here on these pages, you will find a list of 50 godly character traits and their opposites. Now, as you look through this list, I just want you to prayerfully consider, Lord, what do you want to form in me that I want to see formed in myself? I can guarantee you that you will go through this list, but starts combing the scripture as well. I can guarantee you one or more of these will pop out at you and go, oh, that's what I need. I need Jesus in me like that. That is the seeds of longing that God has put in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's evidence of Jesus in you. For if Him not wanting you, you would not be wanting Him. You see, He's planted seeds of longing in your heart to become like Him. And as you talk to Him about this, simply this week I want you to pray and I want you to start reading. And I want you to ask God to reveal to you, Lord, how can I become like an oak of righteousness for the display of your splendor. What is it you want to do in me? Make sense? Praise the Lord. Now look, I can tell you this. <laughs> None of this is going to happen apart from Jesus Christ. All this vision that we've cast up here, all that we've talked about for your own heart and your own life, it's not going to happen except for Jesus Christ alone. He is the one who we put our trust in. He is willing and He is able. Can you say that after me? He is willing and He is able. Say these words, in Jesus alone. I'm going to invite the team to come back out as I pray for us. Father, I thank You so much for Your faithfulness to us. I thank You, Lord God, that all things are possible for You. I praise You, God, that You have given each one of us a garden in our hearts that You want us to tend to with You so that beautiful things can grow there and bear much fruit for your kingdom. Lord, we come before you now and thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God, we pray now you'd help us to hit the reset button with you, to start all over and to dream with you in such a way that your kingdom will come, that your will will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, we acknowledge the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and we know it's by Jesus alone that this, that this even happens, that we're even together, it's by Jesus alone, God. But after that, if anything good is going to happen, it's because of Jesus alone. If anything good is going to happen in us, if our hearts are going to change, it's because of Jesus alone. Lord Jesus Christ, we acknowledge you as King. We bow before you now in our hearts and we bend a knee and we confess with our tongues that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father forever. And we ask a simple prayer. Have your way in us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness. We pray this all in the precious name of the one who gave everything, the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Amen. Let's stand together.